0: W-B-N-E.
1: Hello from elsewhere, I'm Valerie.
0: And I'm Casey, and welcome to the podcast where we explore characters, themes, and history in pop culture.
1: This episode comes to you straight from the lakes of Naboo.
0: Because today we're discussing cursed romance in the Star Wars galaxy. all cursed it happy is. valentine's day it's happy all cursed
1: valentine's day
0: the force has cursed the romance or something there's, i mean that's all, that's our that's our thesis is there's no non-tragic romance in star wars
1: it, none of them have a happy ending
0: yeah maybe they might be
1: happy for a while right but they do not have a happy ending
0: there might be some deep star wars lore that has some sort of happy romance sure but in terms of the main, the films.
1: Well, part of the problem is, is that they can't.
0: And the, and the TV shows, it's all cursed. They
1: can't leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Like if you left Han and Leia's story alone, then you get to assume that there was a happy ever after.
0: True. We'll get into that. But first Anyways. we should we should go into our all important question. Yes. Today's all important question comes from Sprinkle Wizard Smap. Smappy says, if you had to spend the rest of your life in a relationship with someone from Star Wars, who would it be and why? I like this question because to me it sounds tragic. Like, because obviously you and I are in a relationship, but it sounds like something's happened to one of us in this scenario.
1: And now we're paired with a Star Wars character? Yes. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) So who do you, who would you pick?
1: Well, I feel like there's two ways to look at this question. Because, you know, relationship can mean any kind of relationship. So if we're talking a romantic relationship, I would hang out with Jedi Kanan for the rest of forever. Absolutely. But... If it was like just hang out with any one person in all of Star Wars for forever, I feel like Hera and I could be best pals till the end of time. Yeah. And I'd be cool with that. Yeah. I don't need a guy if I can have Hera. (laughs) What's your answer? that's
0: fitting because I pick Hera. So There you go. (laughs) Because Hera's the coolest. Maybe (laughs) even either way, you know, like (laughs) either type of relationship. I think I might still pick just hanging out with with Hera and the ghost flying around the galaxy. Sounds awesome right or maybe cassian hmm. also either way <laughs> those are my two answers hera or cassian
1: good choices yeah
0: either way there's a lot of flying involved i think that's the mm. the you key need someone who's
1: got a good ship that's mm-hmm. one of your <laughs> yeah requirements ewing
0: or or ghost both good options I
1: feel like the Ghosts far more livable
0: yeah that's true
1: if you're gonna have to stay on a ship forever
0: mm-hmm. i mean compared to like an x-wing ewing's better
1: True, a little but, more spacious. Yeah.
0: some a few compartments for some space snacks. Do you have it's like do you have important. like space like granola bars or something?
1: There's got to be something if you're out piloting for hours. There's those at little the time. like
0: frozen frozen fish sticks that Yoda starts eating. Those fish sticks looking thing looking <laughs> things on Dagobah, right? That Yoda steals from Luke. I don't know why he's upset. They don't look very good, but
1: <laughs> hey, if it's the only food you've got, yeah, his rations.
0: Maybe it's a, de- a delicacy among the rebellion.
1: Could be. Yeah. Frozen fish sticks. They're the highlight of cafeteria week. Are they calamari? (laughs) That's dark.
0: (laughs) So yes, today, because it's Valentine's Day in two days, we decided to talk about cursed romance in Star Wars for for all you people out there that feel sad on Valentine's Day. This one's for you.
1: Also, it's just more fun to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about the lovey-dovey stories. (laughs) That's obnoxious.
0: Yeah. But really, like we said, opening up, like, there's, it's just all tragedy. That's all it is.
1: Take a minute and rack your brain.
0: Think of all the couples in the Star Wars galaxy.
1: And can you think of any that have a happy ending?
0: Like you said, they might have a happy life up to a point. Right. But there's some sort of tragedy. Someone dies young, something happens. None of them really grow that old together, like, old, old together. The closest we get is Han and Leia, probably.
1: Yes. Although I think, um, Luke's aunt and uncle get pretty close.
0: Yeah, they get close. They're pretty cute till they're burned on the doorstep.
1: Yep, <laughs> right up to that point. <laughs> well, we don't see much of their relationships, so we don't know how happy of a marriage it actually was.
0: Yeah, Baru seems cool. I don't know about Owen. That's the question.
1: <laughs> Good question. Well, yeah. we decided we wanted to go in release order. Yeah.
0: So, what we did, we should say, because you and it's I.
1: Chronological order.
0: Well, chronological in terms of being released but not in the galaxy, because you're starting with Han and Leia. That's true. Um, you and I always do this weird thing, and it's happened again here, where we go independently to make our notes, and then we come back to compare notes briefly before a recording, and it's like, oh, by the way, we happen to re- do notes on completely separate things so that it all works out. Because <laughs> right. it's like you and I both made like a list of all the couples mm-hmm. that we, we could think of independently, and I went with Anakin and Padme just because... Not because they're the most interesting, but because they're the most tragic. I think that's why I started there. And then I had to go into Rey and Ben Solo because it's Rey and Ben Solo. And then I found like, oh man, I've got essays here, pages and pages of notes. Right. So
1: you came to me and said, I've got a lot on these two. And I was like, that's perfect because I went for Han and Leia. mm Because I feel like theirs is the classic original Star Wars love story. And then I went for my favorite couple, Kanan and Hera but before you
0: did that I didn't know you'd already started taking notes and I was going to suggest hey do you want to do these two couples Han and Leia and Kanan and Hera (laughs) you'd already done it (laughs) so that's great so we're going to cover those four in depth and then we're going to talk about the rest um, just briefly any other any of the other couples that we can think of but keep any in mind too that you can think of because we're racking our brains to think of any that don't end tragically so take it away, Val. Give us Han and Leia.
1: Han and Leia. Are you doing like a overview of the relationship on yours?
0: I will, but that doesn't mean you have to. Okay. Just because that helped me get to the point of tragedy, if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
1: You didn't want to just jump straight in with tragedy? I didn't want to end no, with okay. the end, no. <laughs> no, I, I definitely have some some leading up points. So, Han and Leia, the classic rogue and royalty here, uh, they definitely have a rough start where they don't like each other. They find each other very obnoxious. Um, But then they come together by the end of the original trilogy. And we, as an audience, assume a happy ending because that's all we know at that point.
0: Because Return of the Jedi ends with some yub nub freedom from the Ewoks and a a dance and a song. And and they
1: did actually get married shortly after the Battle of Endor, so.
0: Canonically, they got married. Yes.
1: Um, But talking about the original trilogy and Han and Leia, it's interesting, there are some arguments for their relationship both ways, I feel like. Whether it's like a good relationship or a bad relationship, Um, because for their relationship being sweet, you could say, well, they're both feisty, they have stubborn personalities, they play up the trope of love-hate being very two sides of the same coin. Um, And when they're all in, they can, like, accomplish great things together. Like, when they're working well together, they do really well together. Like, when they take out the post on Endor. And even at the end, we kind of see Han's growth where he's like, okay, like, um, in Return of the Jedi, where he's like, okay, I I won't stand in the way of you and Luke until she reveals that Luke is her brother. But on the flip side of their relationship... It's definitely a product of the film's 70s origin. Like when you consider points, uh, like how Han almost never calls Leia by her name. It's always obnoxious things, like sarcastic terms, like sweetheart, princess, um, your worship. Like everything is just degrading. Um, And then there's the age difference. So Leia's supposed to be 19 and Han is 29. That feels almost predatory there like it's questionable not to mention i didn't realize that harrison ford was 33 and she was only 19 when playing the part yeah yeah (laughs) it's like um uh, that's not uncommon in hollywood but not my favorite thing uh and then and then if you were to count the number of times that han like holds or touches leia against her will even when she specifically verbalizes let me go or don't touch me or whatever it is and he's just like take it easy and <laughs> it makes me want to punch him <laughs> every time
0: <sighs> yeah for all that people love and hold up empire strikes back as the best i think it's the worst for leia yeah i've always i've always felt that way i think leia is amazing in a new hope like in terms of being written as a character i think she gets more in a new hope um return of the jedi is a little I, th- I think up and down but i think empire strikes back doesn't do her justice
1: right that's supposed to be the story where she really falls for han but it's played up in such a way that it's like uncomfortable yeah like you're like why is she falling for han yeah
0: yeah it's one of those common like like you said it's pretty common for the 70s 80s but through the through a 2020 lens it's right yeah
1: that's always gonna be the problem is i'm we're judging it yeah our modern but, perspective but, yeah not to but, say that that's
0: invalid either just exactly i mean we can we can critique these things and love it at the same time
1: right i you mean know? especially important since the original trilogy are the ones that we probably watch the most with our kids yeah and so i definitely want to be you know observant about that to them and be like uh han should let her go when she says no right
0: <laughs> yeah I, I think we've said those exact words we have, to the kids before yeah. so yeah <laughs>
1: Han's not listening to her. What about consent, children? <laughs> so I think it's fine as long as you're using it as a teaching experience yeah, if you're watching it with little ones. For sure. And most people are watching it on their own and, you know, you're adults. So um, they have – Hanalea have probably the most popular Star Wars quote of all time. Yeah. You think so? You know exactly what I'm talking about?
0: Maybe next to, like, may the force be with you or <laughs> – no, I am your father.
1: That's true. Those are pretty top.
0: I'd say this one's third, maybe third. Yeah.
1: Okay. When they, when Leia says "I love you" and Hans says "I know," which apparently was a line that Harrison Ford came up with, because he didn't want to say "I love you too." He was like, "No, Hans." <laughs> Hans is a kind of brash person who'd just be like, "I know." <laughs>
0: He's right, though. I think he had his finger on the pulse of the oh, character. Oh, I think he
1: definitely sure. did. It worked well. Apparently, George Lucas did not like it. Yeah. Um, but it ended up getting the better reaction. Yeah.
0: Well, and Irvin Kershner, the director, he loved it. Yes. Yeah.
1: He and um, Harrison Ford are the ones who got together and were like, yeah. that he, you know, He's like, yeah, that's that's great. It works well. But <laughs> <laughs> and it is. It's a very Han line. It fits all the rest of his personality. My favorite part, though, is that... You do get the reversal of that line in Return of the Jedi, which is the best part. Because when Han and Leia are in a, you know, sticky situation on Endor and Han looks down and realizes that Leia has the blaster ready and he gets to say, I love you, which is the first time we hear him say it. Yeah. And then she says, I know. Then it's like, feels like they're on equal footing finally, because yeah. they've now both vocalized their feelings and they're in, I don't know, in the same, in the same place. So then, because we thought that Haya, he- <laughs> that we thought that Han and Leia. I was
0: going to suggest we, we need to <laughs> mention their couple name. So, mm. yeah. Is it Haya or Lon? <laughs>
1: Lon. Hey, Lon. It's like Lonnie. <laughs> yes, they should each have a couple name if they were Hollywood stars today. But so then The Force Awakened throws us a curve. When we get back together and we... I wrote an acronym in my notes and I do not know what it stands for.
2: Ooh,
0: what is it?
1: H-E-A? Oh, Happily Ever After. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> so when The Force Awakens throws us a curveball and they're happily ever after because Ray meets Han and... You're like, well, where's Leia? It clearly looks like he's back to smuggling and back to his bachelor ways with Chewbacca as his pal. And you like Leia's nowhere to be seen. So then we question like what happened? Casey, you want to know what happened? I do. I mean, the big part is Ben going to the dark side really drives a wedge in their relationship. But even leading up to that, according to Disney Wiki, I don't think there's any I didn't see anything about, like, books or comics or anything that make this canon, but according to Disney wiki, sometime after the Battle of Endor, Han and Leia married and had a son named Ben, and during the years of his marriage, Han found it difficult to stay in one place for long, making some aspects of his relationship with Leia difficult at times. As he was no longer a smuggler, Han spent his free time as a racing pilot during Leia's tenure as a New Republic senator. However, when their son fell to the dark side, becoming known as Kylo Ren, they separated for years in agony and grief, each mourning the loss of their son in their own way. Tragedy. I know, right? The first part of their tragedy. <laughs> They're not together anymore, but then that's not enough. More will happen. I do think it's interesting that he was a racing pilot. That makes sense for Han. Uh, I was reading some other articles that brought the point that there's probably a point of contention between Han and young Ben, is that... Han wouldn't have been around a lot if he was like racing or taking on side smuggling projects or just can't sit in one place. So he wasn't necessarily a very present father, is the theory there. Um, So when Ben says to Rey, when Kylo Ren says to Rey, you know, you think he would have been a great father, you know, he would have disappointed. You would have been disappointed. (laughs) And especially if Ben would have gone off to Luke's Jedi training. I mean, they usually take them when they're fairly young still. So if your dad's not around to the point when you're like what eight, nine, ten, and then you go off to Luke's school, so then you really don't see your dad.
0: Yeah, I don't know when he when Ben went to Luke. Yeah. Because in the old Jedi Temple, they would be little, almost from birth, infant, like toddlers or young, young, young children. Because they say Anakin's too old, and he's like nine. Yeah, that's true. So
1: yeah, but another. Another point about the Jedi that I disapprove of. (laughs) Separating children from their parents. So when we finally see Han and Leia back together in The Force Awakens, and they meet up on their rebel base. First of all, I love that scene. I love how awkward C-3PO makes it. And I love that, like, all's cool between Leia and Chewbacca. Big old hug, like, nice to see you. (laughs) No hard feelings there. (laughs) And they seem to have at least overcome a lot of their grief, or at least they're at a place where they can handle it better, which is one of the points of their relationship is they're both such strong and, I don't know you call it, like, high emotion people, I feel like. Han would obviously hide those high emotions with, you know, distraction-based things. And Leia, the same way, though, she, like, throws herself into her work, into her cause the rebellion um so you get the sense in their relation in their conversation there and everything and when they talk later that um they each blame themselves for ben going to the dark side um but that even though that they each blame themselves they didn't really find a way to mend their relationship until this moment like instead of using that loss of their son as a way to draw closer to each other it definitely severed any leftover relationship that they had well maybe not all of it though because here's something i was thinking about that i hadn't considered before is like normally (laughs) so i like to think casey that han and leia work it out as force ghosts later because (laughs) you know
0: how does han become a force ghost though
1: i don't (laughs) know he reappears to ben
0: that's a memory that's not a ghost is
1: it a memory somebody on the internet what was i reading they i hadn't thought about this theory before that Leia force projects Han too, Ben. Whoa. And that's like the final use of her power and why she dies.
0: I don't every time we've seen a force ghost, you can tell that they're a ghost though. Mm-hmm. He looks real, like in, in the sense of Right, so flesh maybe that's different. Like,
1: like as far as like Leia projecting the image.
0: So that's zombie Han.
1: <laughs> well, she She's didn't projecting reanimate his body. him. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the equivalent of when Luke projects himself to ben in their fight he looks he doesn't look like a ghost there
0: no because he's not dead
1: well also true anyways that's a tangent but when somebody pointed that i was like huh that's a really interesting theory
0: i think at that point i mean if if we're following the the metaphysical rules of the galaxy han being dead i mean for a few years his spirit or soul or whatever has become you know, has merged with the force.
1: But if Leia can draw on the force.
0: To make his spirit back into itself, how could you do that if it's already become one with this big nebulous idea of the force?
1: I don't know the ways of the force, Casey. We don't know what's possible out there or not.
0: You need a teacher. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Not
0: me, I don't know how it works. <laughs> Cause I was just thinking like, I know the Jedi talk about becoming one with the force, but I don't know what happens to everyone else. You know, people that don't right. use the force. What's
1: their afterlife story? Yeah. And even the Jedi's who weren't trained on how to become Force ghosts. Like, what happens to them?
0: Right, but then we get to hear tons of voices at the end.
1: Yes, yeah. so they still have some kind of
0: individuality. Individuality
1: maybe. in the afterlife. Anyways, back to my original point. I or think the they're...
0: filmmakers just messed everything up. At the who knows? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't follow the rules. I don't yeah.
1: know. <laughs> my original point was, I think they work it out together. In the afterlife, in the Force version of the afterlife.
0: <laughs> I mean, you do get the sense that if Han hadn't died, they would have worked it out. Like, because they have a nice There's moment before he leaves. potential there. They're kind of cuddling there on the tarmac mm-hmm. under the falcon. Nice hug. It's yeah. cute, and yeah, yeah, you get the sense that things can be mended there, but tragedy strikes.
1: There's still... See, and this is why I think they could potentially have mended it or work it out as ghosts later, is because if Leia had been so supremely mad at him and had no feelings for him anymore, she would have like cut, himself, cut herself off from him entirely. Um, but we can tell she doesn't do that because she keeps the connection to him. She can sense when he dies. If you're going to keep a connection, like a strong force connection with somebody across the galaxy to know when they're in trouble or when they've died... Like, you have to still love them in some way. It's my theory.
0: These Force connections are romantic. I like it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If she had been super upset with him, never wanted to hear or see from him again, she would have, like, deleted his contact information. She would have severed the tie from the Force to him.
0: Deleted his contact information, like, metaphysically speaking. Yeah. Mm (laughs) exactly.
1: To, yeah to relate it to our terms you yes, know yeah. yes yes because if you're like all right i'm done with this person 100 you just like delete their information block the number never gonna hear or see from them again right but she chooses to keep that connection to him because she clearly still cared
0: or she's just that strong in the force
1: if she's strong enough to keep the connection she's strong enough to cut it off if she wants yeah i mean luke cuts himself off from the force entirely
0: but again does that go both ways if leia had died could han have sentenced it i don't know because of love because of or- love. Or Is the Force elitist?
1: (laughs) Good questions. I know not. I do feel like, as I mentioned, you know, their original relationship that we see in episodes four, five, and six, a little iffy, especially at the beginning, as far as uh, quality goes. (laughs) But I do feel like when we see them in The Force Awakens, we see growth to their characters. Han and Leia were both, you know, so hot-headed in the original trilogy that they weren't as forgiving or kind to each other in a lot of ways. They often picked on each other. But here we see them at the end where they're both willing to accept blame for their parts in the the relationship that didn't work out and their parts in what went on with Ben's life.
0: And also to accept that things weren't all in their control. Like, like Leia says, it was Snoke. It wasn't anything we did, it was Snoke and... And also maybe accept that Ben has some personal choice here here as well.
1: Exactly. So. so that's what I have on Han, Leia. A little bit of Ben thrown in there because he's a big part of their relationship.
0: For sure. And we'll get some more Ben in a little bit. What I want to mention really quick, too, with Han and Leia, they kind of have a, like a double tragedy. Like the tragedy of them splitting up between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. And then, of course, it ends with tragedy where one of them dies still too young when Han is stabbed. So tragedy. Han and Leia... No happy ending there.
1: one for tragedy. Mm. 0.0 for zero points for for Star Wars couples. For
0: longevity. Yeah. (laughs) Love. Longevity love. So up next, we have Anakin and Padme, or as the fans call it, Anidala. Anidala? Anidala. 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 I don't know how to stress the A, but that's that's the ship name.
1: I didn't know it had an official ship name.
0: It does, yes. I want to talk about Anakin and Padme because, like I said, it's probably the most tragic because it has the biggest galactic consequences it affects everything pretty much everything we see in star wars is impacted by by anakin and padme and the the tragic end that it comes to so
1: will it hurt things to say that they are my least favorite couple no that's okay
0: no that's okay i mean i don't think it's supposed to be well I don't know. Some people find the episode two stuff romantic. I don't think anyone finds the episode three stuff like like I it's supposed to be. Romantic. <laughs> it's supposed to be tragic, right? It's not. Yes. There's no reach here.
1: That's where everything is going awry. Yeah, but I think even more after watching Clone Wars, like you
0: like them less. Less. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
1: Even, yeah.
0: We'll get to that because I have okay. some Clone Wars stuff. I'll but,
1: save my thoughts then.
0: And you've seen it more recently, so we'll get there. But first. So they meet in episode one. Little Anakin's nine; she's fourteen. So there's a little bit of an age gap, um, which seems kind of weird there, but
1: not as big as Han and Leia's.
0: True, true. And Anakin's first thought is, "Are
1: you an angel?"
0: So right off the bat, little Bad Anakin. Lines. Little Anakin thinks. Well, I was gonna say, I'm just treating this as tr- true. <laughs> like you, you can critique this all you want, but I'm just. <laughs> this is oh, it a did true happen. story. Yeah.
1: But if you're talking pickup lines.
0: He's nine. You can he's also been stuck in the workshop with a toy Darian. He probably doesn't hear any good pickup lines. In fact, Wado <laughs> probably uses that line.
1: Probably. That's probably where I <laughs> he first heard it. I could see Are him you use, an angel. I could hear him using it on other Toydarians. I mean, they've got the wings already, so there's like Whoa. a connection there.
0: Blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um so Anakin thinks he she's kind of cute or um at least something special about her, right? Uh, She just thinks he's a little strange at first and isn't really sure what to think and is even kind of confused when when Qui-Gon's putting so much on this little kid. But eventually they start to form a bond and he makes her that little necklace, the Ja'Pur snippet, which I always thought was kind of cute because it kind of carries through later in episode three. And then we get episode two where things do get creepy. I'm not not a fan of creepy teenage Anakin that (laughs) is sort of ogling her and and she says please don't look at me that way and he's just like whatever nope nope not not a huge fan of creepy teenage Anakin but I guess I mean I don't know but there are some positives here like we get across the stars which is one of the best themes best bits of music in all of Star Wars so
1: John Williams is the only highlight of their relationship for me
0: I think I like the idea of their relationship this um you know her being a a princess and then a senator and him being a jedi and this forbidden love thing i think i like the idea of that a lot i just think that it wasn't executed super well
1: here's the thing though is i mean they can't execute it really well or else it wouldn't have gone so poorly at the end if that makes sense right like if anakin wasn't always a little obsessive about padme then it wouldn't have been such a big deal to him when things go poorly it's a fair point so i can see why their relationship goes the way it does it just yeah yeah. He's a bit of a creeper to me. I
0: think it it feels, from Padme's side, it's hard to see where she's coming from in episode That's two. my Because we get a lot of Anakin's side, and we don't get a lot of her, like, where did she change her mind?
1: She's far more mature than he is. Yeah. She's just in a better She even says, place. you'll always be that
0: little boy I knew on Tatooine, which is like a arrow to the heart, not a Cupid arrow.
1: <laughs> I think we've determined the Force must just, like, shove Cupid out of the way. There are no Cupid arrows. No. In... Star Wars yeah. universe.
0: Josh, one of our other sprinkle wizards, asked if we had any canonical ideas for why the romances in Star Wars are so cursed.
1: Yeah, there it is. I don't
0: know. I, I think maybe the Force <laughs> hates love. I, but it's also love, so it's confusing, right? Or maybe George Lucas hates love. That's <laughs> not true, though.
1: Maybe it just believes that love has no longevity. Maybe. It exists. Yeah. But the ebbs and flows of the Force, yeah. you're supposed to just give it up to the Force. Like...
0: When I'm a believer Can't so it. um Sky Talkers, the the podcast Sky Talkers, Charlotte and Caitlin, they say this all the time that Star Wars is tragedy. And I agree. Star Wars is tragedy. And this this episode is more proof of that. Oh yeah, back back to that idea of that their relationship couldn't always be perfect, because that was sort of like you were saying, the writing's on the wall, it has to go in a tragic direction, right? Yeah, episode two's important. It's an important part of the story for recognizing the folly of the Jedi as well like suppressing love and attachment and suppressing the
1: time they strip them from their parents yeah and that love and attachment
0: pretty much any passionate expressions of emotion they suppress and that includes any sort of anything akin to romance
1: from our modern lens we believe that all feelings are valid yeah the jedi should have been training yeah with that affirmation
0: they definitely should have i wish we got a little bit more of that in the sequel trilogy as much as I do love the sequel trilogy.
1: It's where Rebels comes in, Casey.
0: We'll get there. Um, so after episode two, we have the the Clone Wars, which we've hinted at. Um, oh, no, wait. Before there, there's the 2D, the two-dimensional animated Clone Wars shorts um, where we get some of their secret romance. They're like hiding in alley- alleyways to kiss and C-3PO comes along and he like strip teases. It's weird. And, <laughs> and I love it so much. I
1: don't know that one. <laughs>
0: I love those 2D Clone Wars. If you can find those, they are highly, highly recommended. I love them. Um, but they're super cheesy, and we get some of the cheesy romance. But then after that, we get the Clone Wars. And yeah, we get hints that Anakin is power-hungry and kind of uh, controlling, which you wanted to bring up.
1: That's my biggest thing, is after watching him in Clone Wars with Padme, every time she wants to like go off on a mission on her own, or has something important to do for the Senate, or he's like, I don't feel comfortable with you going it's a direct quote Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure
0: (laughs) but it is hinting at his dark side yeah he's
1: super controlling like it becomes a very manipulative relationship where he's like trying to hinder her from doing the things that she wants to do and it drives me nuts
2: yeah
0: as it should I mean like like your feelings are valid that's what I mean by that yes
1: because all feelings are valid yes as the Jedi are going to teach in the future
0: (laughs) that's what Rey will teach
1: Exactly.
0: Um, at one point in the Clone Wars too, Anakin tells Padme that he wants to go away with her for a time. Just be husband and wife instead of senator and Jedi. And I found that really interesting to see how generally their titles supersede their relationship. Which yeah. is a huge part of Anakin's downfall. Because the Jedi dogma is sort of getting in the way of, that, of their relationship because it's forbidden. And, and also we see that with Han and Leia back with Han and Leia too.
1: I was going to say, it's actually very common for a lot of the Star Wars love stories. Yeah,
0: that these titles get in the way.
1: I would say it's a thing for Kanan and Herod, too. We'll talk about that.
0: Oh, yeah. But yeah, with Han and Leia, with, in The Force Awakens, they talk about how they went back to what they knew. Mm-hmm. And they even say the title. Like, Han went back to being a smuggler. She went back to being a, a resistance, a republic leader, a senator, and, or, and a general. And yeah, these titles, titles get in the way. Of relationships. And that's part of the tragedy, I think.
1: I don't think it has to be, but I think it often is. And think no. Kanan and Hera will be the antithesis.
0: Okay, I'm excited to talk about them. Okay. We're almost there <laughs> because we have Revenge of the Sith. So the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, Padme is pregnant. And Anakin's like legitimately happy about that, should note. Um, he doesn't act too weird about that. He's, he's pretty excited. I think he really does love Padme, but yeah, stuff gets in the way, including his is controlling stuff, and also such how a, power hungry he is.
1: Well, and he has such a fear of loss. Yes. That really drives him.
0: In all his relationships, really, because it's, you know, his his dreams of his mom dying was foreshadowing of the dreams he was going to have of, of Padme dying. Um, and not just
1: those, but like in the Clone Wars, anytime he fears for the mm, life of Obi-Wan or Ahsoka, like he does not handle it well.
0: Well, and that's what Yoda says. Fear leads to anger. He he starts that whole line of emotions with fear. That fear mm-hmm. causes it all. Which I don't necessarily disagree with. Not that fear is bad, but that
1: you can't um, let it overtake yes. all your other emotions. Yes.
0: So yeah, Anakin starts to have nightmares of Padme dying in childbirth and not even realizing that it could be a self fulfilling prophecy, you know, created by himself. But that is the really the cause of his fall. Because Palpatine plays into to Anakin's fear of Padme dying, promising him the power to save her. And Anakin, I mean, he loves power. So he's like, yeah, I want whatever this external power I can use to save Padme. And then also in, um, in Revenge of the Sith, Padme mentions that like politics and all the plotting and the war is keeping them apart, which is true, um, but it's also Anakin's fear and it he he'll, he's willing to do whatever it takes at whatever cost and and padme says that to him you know at what cost will this power you know save me and then eventually he he kills padme in his anger well he chokes her enough Injures to that she her. yeah that she loses the will to live but um but yeah, it's all fueled by fear and it's the ultimate tragedy because she dies the twins are separated and sent off and anakin becomes darth vader and goes on a galactic tirade that has uh Very long-lasting repercussions.
1: Do you think... Here's a question about their relationship. Do you think that it could have gone differently if... Because like you said, Anakin is like, oh, the Emperor has offered me this power. And, you know, A, he wants power. And B, he wants power to be able to save Padme. I don't know which one is top priority there. Power or power to save Padme. But if he had thought about it and been like, you know what, there is another option. I could... Let go of my power. I could let go of the Jedi path and I could just hang out with Padme like he could have Ahsoka walks away.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't know that the dream's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I don't know that he would ever do that hmm. because it's all fear based.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But just think if he'd have been a little bit wiser and he had prioritized his love for her. I don't know. And I mean, I think he thinks he is acting through love. So that's tricky. Yeah,
0: And I really do think that his like you you mentioned, is it the power or the f- um, just the power itself or the desire to save Padme? I think I do think him wanting to save Padme is the motivation. I really do. But then once she's dead, then he's going to go f- into full rage because he has nothing left. Right.
1: After that point, he has very little patience for anyone and anything.
0: Yep. He just chokes his problems.
1: <laughs> exactly. Finally got all the power he wanted. Now he doesn't have to listen to anybody
0: mm-hmm till luke comes along till luke because really i mean we talk about the tragedy of romance and the curse of romance in star wars but star wars is still about love and how love saves but it's usually um familial love right more or so like than friendship nece- or, or friendship or, yeah. yeah not necessarily romantic so it's not all it's not star wars isn't all doom and gloom but there's something to say for the lack of um again anything love. that that has any longevity Yes. that's all i have
1: are you ready are you ready to talk about hera and Kanan? so ready i love them there are so many people who haven't seen rebels so you're gonna need to skip ahead what 10 minutes probably
0: <laughs> yeah 10 15 maybe
1: 10 15 uh, if you haven't seen rebels go watch it all on disney plus just four seasons and you will meet the best star wars couple of all times before yes. you skip ahead though listen to this one quote Because there's a Mary Sue article by, her name is Christina Potter Swan, and she says, Amidst the will-they-won't-they angst that has become the norm in so many plots, they are quietly living out an established relationship with very little tension. They support each other, raise teenagers, get into arguments, and give ground, all without losing their individual identities. It is the most romantic thing on television. And I could not agree more. And we're going to go into specifics, so... Now you can skip ahead, (laughs) but plenty of reasons to go watch Rebels and then come back and listen to this part.
0: Yes, because they're the best.
1: They are. Do you remember, Casey, when we, because you started watching Rebels before I did. Yes. But then like I caught up and we finished three and four together, I think.
0: I think I'd watched the first three seasons and just hadn't seen the fourth season, I believe.
1: So then I think you watched the first three. We went back and watched one, two, and three. Yeah, I watched
0: with you. And
1: then we watched the fourth one. Mm -hmm. Yes. That sounds right. Remember how I kept pointing out things. I'm like, man, Hera and Kanan are totally together. Mm-hmm. And at first you're like, uh, I don't think so.
0: No. Okay. You're <laughs> misremembering this. I thought they were together. I just thought it was more subtle the first watch through. But on the second watch through, I was like, oh, no, this isn't subtle at all. That's what it was. It was that okay. I thought it was more of a I ship them, but the TV show itself isn't shipping them.
1: Interesting. Okay. But
0: they totally were clearly together. It wasn't as subtle as I, I mean, it's still pretty subtle, but it, I thought it was um pretty minuscule.
1: No, it's definitely, um I call it like a shadow relationship because it's not the main highlight or focus of the entire show. Yeah. It's very much a background thing. Um, right.
0: Because with Han and Leia, especially in Empire Strikes Back, that's like the center of their Mm -hmm. of their story in that one is their relationship. And then Anakin and Padme, it's a huge part of episodes two and three.
1: Exactly. And just like we were talking about how their titles often get in the way of, you know, the love story working out. Here's another case in which it's, I don't know if I'd say that their titles get in the way of their love, but their love doesn't have to be the focus of everything that they do. Like they're mature enough to have their love and their own individual courses and not let them conflict to the point of, you know, separating them or breaking them apart in any way. So, for example, Hera is a leader, and she believes so strongly in her rebel cause that she doesn't let anything distract her from her mission, even her relationship with Kanan. Kanan never replaces her top priority of the rebellion, which is really interesting from a female perspective, that you don't have a woman giving her her identity or her top priorities up for a guy. So that's something I definitely appreciate. In fact, there's a quote from Dave Filoni that says, I really like how Hera is very focused and independent and not apologetic about what she has to do because she's the leader. And it should never be this thing where she is having to sacrifice anything of who she is for being in a relationship. And I feel like that just perfectly sums up their course there between the two of them. I also like that, while Kanan pushes Hera, um, like, he'll question her, the decision she makes, or um, if he has differing opinions or things. But at the end of the day, like, he does respect that she is the captain of the ghost, and therefore has, like, final say on things. Um, and he never wants, I could see a many, many alternate stories where it's like, the guy resents that so much that he starts a mutiny with the crew or anything else, but not Kanan.
0: No, they do disagree occasionally, but it's always in a in a respectful, let's talk this out sort of way.
1: They're so mature. Yeah. I would easily say that they are the most mature, well-functioning and healthy couple that we see in all Star Wars media. Yeah. 100%. I agree. So when they met, um, I haven't read the book yet. It's called New Dawn. So I didn't want to read too much into that story because I want to read the actual book. But apparently when they met in this in the book, um, Hera was 18 and Kanan was 22. So by the time the Rebels, like season four comes around, um, so the end of their story, they had known each other and worked together for 10 years. So that's a pretty long lasting relationship there and obviously they weren't i'm assuming they weren't together from the very from the get-go right (laughs) but they at least had some form of a, a working relationship for a while before they became anything else some of the things that i love about their relationship is like we mentioned that they show mutual respect and an absolute trust in each other to the point when um like you know how it bugs me that anakin's like i don't think you'll be safe padme you shouldn't go on this mission well, Hera's ship is flaming, and Kanan's like, she'll be fine. She can land anything. It's like the exact opposite. And it's amazing to see that kind of confidence and trust that he has in her.
0: Well, and you think he probably has some fear. Right. And the, it wouldn't be the possibility of, of, of something tragic happening there, but he doesn't use that as an excuse to control her.
1: Yes, exactly cuz you could take it as like oh well he doesn't care as deeply but i don't think that's it at all i think it's just like you said um, but they're also really cute like they tease each other all the time just little little quips all the time where Kanan's like oh i knew there had to be a way with it. i knew that you were going to say that somehow this was my problem and you know or my <laughs> my fault <laughs> And she goes, of course it is. Um, But they also have the same willingness to work together. Um, The Mary Sue article that I mentioned uh, is linked in the show notes because it's super good. But one of the things that I love in that article is they talk about the scene where... Kanan and Hera are in a hallway and they've recently found out that, or the crew the ghost crew has recently found out that they've actually been part of the larger rebellion this whole time, but they didn't know it and Kanan really fights against that, that uh, the new regimented programs and the protocols and the he liked the way that they were doing things before and, and so he has issue with some of that stuff and they're in the hallway having a disagreement about that and um potter swan the author she even mentions like great details like how it juxtaposes with leia and han in a hallway in hoth where like people are having to like dodge past them or whatever well it's like oh canaan and Hera eventually they like step to the side so they're out of the way of people (laughs) or like how han towers over leia as he's rebutting her, but Kanan slumps against the side wall so that they're at an even height and he's not, like, towering over her. Little details I hadn't thought about that show just respect that they have for each other and that they can work it out in a way that works for both of them. Not that they... So they're each willing to give up a little bit, um, but not... Give up everything if that makes sense. I have to point out my favorite when we were watching it together for the first time. Oh yeah. And <laughs> one moment where we were watching it together for the first time, and I kept just pointing out everything. I was like, "They're together. They're 100% together." Yeah. Um. There's Ezra goes looking for Canaan in Canaan's room in the middle of the night because he had had a vision, I believe, and he wanted to like discuss it with Canaan. Well, Canaan's not in his room in the middle of the night. Where else is he gonna be on the ghost ship in the middle of the night when there's no emergencies going on? Like, I mean...
0: Secret rendezvous.
1: Maybe he's having a midnight snack or (laughs) maybe he's having a midnight snack. I don't know. Whoa. We'll just leave it at that. It's a
0: family-friendly show, Val.
1: (laughs) But anyways, just little things... You're
0: blushing, by the way. Of
1: course. They're just so cute. But I think that they clearly have this romantic relationship, but... It's also pretty subtle, and I like that juxtaposition. Another moment is when Kanan meets Hera's father, and he is, like, visibly nervous. Like, Ezra calls him out on it. He's like, dude, just calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> and there would be no reason for him to be that nervous around her father unless they had a deeper relationship. Um, that You know, the rest of the crew isn't nervous to meet their friend's father not a big deal for them each time they go on a solo mission they show concern for the others like safe return and they have like often have tender moments where uh, they hug or or he comes back and you know she'll say hair will say things like we'll come back safe my love and um they have a lot of sweet moments that are brief but it doesn't negate the fact that like you see that they're Relationship is being played out this whole time in the middle of a war. So you've got to pick and choose your moments. You're only going to have so many of them. Uh, we may not hear the words I love you from them until late, late in the final season, but they've clearly been more involved before that point, especially when it comes to the very last episode of season four where we meet Jason. They were clearly involved, <laughs> um, which is, I mean, it, his very existence proves <laughs> <I'm> that. <sure.
0: laughs> Proves the existence of Midnight Snacks.
1: Exactly what, what I'm saying. <laughs> These things don't just happen, unless you're Anakin, apparently. So, so are you ready to talk about their tragedy, Casey? Yes,
0: because it, it has been a beautiful relationship, but romance is cursed. So it has been what happens? the
1: most beautiful relationship, which makes their ending the most tragic to me. Like I am not that sad when Padme and Anakin don't work out, because it's like, well... They felt pretty doomed from the beginning. But these two, just, it breaks my heart. Little back story, so we have to mention first that Kanan loses his eyesight um, because Maul blinds him on the Malachor episode. But just before he leaves, Kanan promises Hera that they would see each other again, which is an unfulfilled promise because he comes back blind. He cannot see her. Uh, If you're talking, you know, uh, what's the word? Literally. Literally, that's the word I'm looking for.
0: I will literally see you again.
1: Exactly. (laughs) But they, you know, they say they will see each other again and they they share a deep hug. Some definite leaning, Casey, in that hug there (laughs) to reference while you're sleeping.
0: (laughs) Looked like he was leaning.
1: Exactly. So one of the most, like, then you come to this most poignant parts of the relationship where Kanan rescues Hera from uh, Governor Price of Lothal's office and he comes, like, against great odds to get in there. And he not only saves her, but he also saves her... Calicori, I think is what it's called? Her family heirloom that's of great importance to her that Thrawn had adopted because he loves art and culture of all kinds. So, it gets to the point where Kanan realizes His sacrifice is needed to save everybody else. The point when he can be most useful and save the most lives that he loves. And so he sacrifices himself to do that. But there is this moment right before he dies where his vision that has been lost for, I don't know, is that two seasons before? A year or two, yeah. So it's been at least a year or two. His vision that has been lost for a long time, his eyes clear right before his death. And his final view is of his love, Hera, That's his final view. And I mean, it's just poetic as hell, and I love it so much. I love you. (laughs) I'm getting, like, teary-eyed over here talking about Kanan and Hera because they are 100% the best Star Wars couple, and you cannot change my mind about that.
0: Did you want to mention the Kanan ghost?
1: Yes, because that's cute. Yeah. There's a moment where Hera's feeling very lost after Kanan's death, and he's like, she's like not sure, and she's feeling overwhelmed and everything, and it just shows him standing there with his hand on her shoulder in like a, the most supportive, cute gesture, mm-hmm. and I love it.
0: Which later, um, in the next episode, when Ezra's realized that he can't bring Kanan back, he has to let him go, I think Hera starting to realize that too, that she has to um, accept it. Not necessarily not be sad, but just accept it. But her hand is just kind of casually on that shoulder. Like um, she
1: is remembering the yeah. feel of his touch there. Yeah. Force ghost touch there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which does he visit her more, do you think? I don't know. Over time.
1: Does he come back and hang out with Jason? Yeah. Does he <laughs> I get to hope. know his
0: force ghost dad? <laughs> what are the rules? Again, what are the rules of the force ghostery?
1: Yes. I don't know if it's only times of great need well supporting Hera and just putting a hand on her shoulder probably wouldn't qualify so there's got to be some some ability to just I don't know connect with the ones that you love all right while I'm drawing my eyes over here you move on to
0: Raylo Raylo well what's what's Kanan and Hera's oh. ship name Kara or <laughs> Hanan
1: <laughs> neither great mm. you could go with his uh his birth name of Caleb doom what's the
0: gonna uh... be sin doom Cindela okay and Doom.
1: Sin, yes, I like Sin Doom more than. Sounds tragic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sin Doom. It is.
0: Yes, Raylo, like Han and Leia, a controversial, problematic pairing. Which I, I don't want to get into that because I think as much as the Han and Leia stuff is problematic, the Raylo stuff gets heated online, like grossly, toxically heated. But um, I've linked three.
1: I've never spent much time on those chats, apparently.
0: Oh, Raylo, yeah, Raylo's it's cumbersome to jump into that uh, debate, into the debate. Not the community, the Raylo community is great. But I've linked in the show notes three really fantastic articles um, that sort of analyze the Raylo ship. So if you dislike that pairing and you think it's problematic, even from what you consider as like a progressive viewpoint, it's really worth reading those three articles. Um, Just to briefly summarize them, just it's this idea that Policing ships, even if you think it's because you're protecting fans from a pairing, um, it's just another way of gatekeeping and infantilizing people in fandom, particularly like women and, and non-binary folks. I mean, I'm telling them how to not, how to, or how not to interact. So yeah, like I said, the Raylo community is like one of the safest, nicest, most intelligent, and most creative parts of the Star Wars fandom. Um, but I would just read those articles, even if you, you know, whether you like. Ray Lowe is a pairing or not um I don't want to get into the into that aspect of it um I just want to kind of want to talk about how the movie presents it how the movies present this this pairing um and those articles will go into more depth and then cover it more intelligently than I can here so yeah Ray and Ben Solo their relationship throughout I should say I, I've written like an essay here so just bear with me are you ready Valerie because this is this is kind of uh lengthy oh yes are you prepared um, yeah, the relationship really leans heavily on like the the yin and yang, the opposites, the dark and the light. Um, that, yeah, the opposite nature of them as characters. Both of them are strong in the force. And then, but Ray leans toward the light and Ben toward the dark. Um, there's this really fascinating, what?
1: I'm just still thinking about Kanan and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: okay. I'll just talk into the mic about Ray and Ben. And you just can smiling just about sit there and think Her's about Cain and Hera. That's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. You do that. <laughs> I love them too. I like to sit and think about them too. So,
1: Anyways, I'll, yes. pay, I'll pay attention.
0: <laughs> so there's this, with Ben and Ray. there's this fascinating push and pull to their relationship. Almost from the beginning. It's almost like two magnets where parts of them have this attraction and parts of them are really repelled. The Force Awakens represents the push the the at odds or the the head-to-head the last jedi represents the the pull away or the repelling and the rise of skywalker represents the the final meeting in the middle the side by side before the tragedy that is but before we get to the tragedy i i think it's interesting to explore this idea of the push and pull In the force awakens they're on opposite sides of the war but, and of course they're enemies um of course they're pushing against one another when Ben fails to interrogate Rey, interrogate Rey's mind, she pushes back, um, and then later they have a duel in the forest. After after Ben's killed Han, and there's a you know literally a literal physical pushing against each other with lightsabers. Both of them are dealing with this push and pull of light side and dark side. Although Ray is a light side character, light side in quotes, you know she's she's the hero of the story, um, and Ben's the dark side character. Earlier in The Force Awakens, he mentions the pull to the light. And in The forest Duel, Rey dips into, like she dips into her rage, um, which I think she would have given in completely and and killed Ben if the ground hadn't split between them. And this ground splitting is foreshadowing to the pulling apart we see more of in The Last Jedi. So then The Last Jedi comes and we get even more of this. It's more explicit and beautiful, I think, the yin and yang, the push and pull. Um, but it ultimately ends in a state of pulling apart or repelling um, so after they're they're split on star killer base and the force awakens uh, Ray and Ben are far apart physically through most of the movie they're they're apart philosophically as well with Ray starting to um, starting to learn about the force and recognizing Ben as a as a monster on the dark side but the force bond allows them to grow closer emotionally I think i don't know about you val but i felt like the rom- romantic and emotional tension seemed pretty clear to me the first time i saw the last jedi mm-hmm. like it seemed like there was tension there but i know people oh, I didn't so. view it that way which i always found odd but
1: no especially to the point where they come up to to snoke when they're because she like willingly goes to ben yeah and it's like look i know if i go to him he will turn that's what she's seen and he's like i know if i i can turn her um so there's this idea that they're trying to find a meeting place yes if they could just get the other person to agree with them on this one major thing yeah then everything else could fall into place and it would all work out
0: yeah but there's little keys like like when they we will get to the duel in a second but when they're fighting the guards one of them puts their hand back on the other's leg if you notice Mm. i don't remember which of them it is i should remember that but yeah, I, I think for me, I think that that tension is pretty clear, even like on a romantic or emotional level, especially like culminating as their hands touch in the force in the hut. Yeah. That scene seems very, it's very romantic.
1: Oh, it totally evokes ideas of like, because like Luke comes in and like freaks out. Yeah. And it's totally like teenage couple caught kissing yeah, exactly. and like the dad walks in <laughs> yeah. and you like spring apart. There's this yeah. definite imagery there of... They were caught in a moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, embarrassing! Yeah, Dad's here.
0: <laughs> but at that moment too, you think that they're meeting because they're because they're meeting emotionally. You think that they're going to be meeting uh, on a philosophical, moral level, right? That they're meeting in the middle on a force kind of level, especially because it's not all of Ben giving into the light ray also is accepting more of the the idea of the dark side um you know like with the cave she totally ignores luke's warnings about the cave she allows herself literally to be pulled into it through the force um or i don't know if it's through the force but there's some sort of force lowercase f force that pulls her into that cave and then ben is also you start to see his compassion he has compassion that pull to the light that he was worried about and not only compassion for ray but other things like when he doesn't decide to shoot when he could have killed his mom in the TIE Fighters. Thoughts? Or thought? I just,
1: it's kind of off topic, but that always just makes me think about like his connection with his mom mm. versus his connection with his dad. Yeah, and You can tell which relationship was strained and yeah. which one is strong because kills dad almost no questions asked, but mom... A little question, like, but yeah. But mom, he's like, I can't do it.
0: Well, I think that's <laughs> worth bringing up because we had talked about you know han and leia and and their respective relationships with ben i think it's all intertwined um so yeah we get to snoke's throne room and and ray and ben meet there and ben you know in killing snoke you think he's that's it he's fully given in to the light side as they fight off the the praetorian guards but they fight back to back they're still facing opposite directions i think that I symbolism that is really so i know that scene's so good
1: but that's a good point but the symbolism
0: there is really important um especially later when you know after the guards are dead they are on opposite sides still ben is offering rey his hand to basically be empress to his emperor um but they're still at odds morally and and philosophically
1: i was just imagining them as emperor and empress what would that look like Mm. You feel like she, I don't know, a slippery slope. But if she thought, maybe if we get together, I could still like, you know, help him see Mm. the good or help be an influence from the inside out. Or But I like that she sticks to her her morals, her her guns. I think that's far more important. Um, But yes. And then that that line that comes later where it harkens back to that where she says, you know, I wanted to take your hand. Yeah. Like when we hear it vocalized. Because in the moment, it might seem she's like, no way. But it was a harder choice than you might have realized. Yeah.
0: I wanted to mention how the push and pull of the lightsaber, the legacy lightsaber itself is very emblematic of this push and pull of their relationship.
1: True.
0: Um, Like there's so many parallels like the, you know, in The Force Awakens the lightsaber is, is pushed into the snow and, you know, Rey pulls it toward herself. In The Last Jedi, Ben pulls it toward himself and Rey, you know, catches it after it slices through Papa Snoke. And then in that In that throne room battle later, Rey tosses it toward Ben. And then later, you know, even later, Rey pulls it away from Ben. And then they both start pulling it through the Force. And then, of course, they're equal. Because they are opposites, like equal opposites, it shatters it down the middle.
1: Right. One of them doesn't win the lightsaber.
0: Yeah. But not only is it shattered, as it shatters, they are both pulled apart again. Also reminiscent and parallel of the shattering of the ground in The Force Awakens. Also, like, you know, back to this idea of in The Force Awakens, the audience thinks Rey, or at least I do, I think Rey might be going to the dark side en- enough to kill Ben in The Force Awakens before the ground splits. In The Last Jedi, the audience thinks Ben might choose the light, but again, it ends with them splitting apart. Separate. So then, toward the end of The Last Jedi, Rey closes the door on their Force Bond, and the movie ends with them completely apart, possibly even further apart than they were at the end of the force awakens because they've spent this film growing so much closer it's like the closer they get anything that separates them is going to feel bigger
1: yeah that makes sense it's like it's a bigger gap
0: yeah the relationship does follow this will they won't they um like like the mary sue article mentions that Kanan and Hera don't really have this um this because it's a pretty common popular trope in pop culture like everything from from pride and prejudice to to Jim and Pam in the office. But here I like I like the reason I like Ray and Ben is because it's it's writ large, it's fantastical, it's mythical, it's symbolic. And I think that that adds power to it for me. So then we get the rise of Skywalker. At the beginning, we see how truly how far apart they are now. Ray is seemingly fully embracing the light side of the force. She's training with Leia as a Jedi, and and Ben is Supreme Leader kylo ren now in cahoots with palpatine so it seems like they're so much farther apart now than they've ever been and and ray gets a a vision of herself embracing the dark side of the force and she starts to feel that that pull and we get more we get more symbolism with with ray and ben pulling on the the transport that you think Chewie's in with the force um, but this time, Rey really does seem to go to the dark side with the Force, Force yeah. lightning, and Ben even uses the word push. Uh, later, he says, "You know, he he pushed her in the desert to see what she was capable of," which I think is really interesting. I still don't like the the Ray Palpatine thi- the Rey Palpatine thing, but it is worth noting the way in which it adds to the yin yang symbolism stuff. Um, ben was born of Han and Leia, two characters that are fighting on the good side but he turned to the dark side. And then you have Rey, born of the dark side, but at a young age, she chooses the light side.
1: There is good symbolism there.
0: Yeah. Um, a little bit later in the movie, Rey and Ben, when they're fighting on the, the watery Death Star, and it seems Rey is going to completely give in now to the dark side. She stabs Ben, but then she heals him. You know, she repairs the the split, and and he turns to the light side. But I, th- I like it because it's not... It's not just Rey's influence. It's definitely part of it, but it's the influence of his mother. It's the memory of his father. And it is Rey saying she wanted to take his hand, like you mentioned. But Ben's hand, not Kylo Ren's hand. So yeah, he, t- he turns the light, and then after Rey leaves, he tosses his lightsaber away. More of that lightsaber parallelism. So Ben heads to Exegol, where Rey is facing facing Palpatine. And then, probably my favorite part of the movie, Rey, it seems she's going to be choosing... The dark side out of you know out of necessity to strike down the Palp- to strike down palpatine right but she pushes the lightsaber through the forest to ben again more of that lightsaber parallel as a as a symbol of their relationship and that their bond is now stronger than it's ever been probably and so ben you know Which, he
1: make- wait right there because she has the two lightsabers at that point right yeah she passed Luke's?
0: Yeah, she passes the Legacy Saber. So okay. she, she, she has Leia's.
1: I feel like I want to see him with his mom's lightsaber. I know. I Because he would have never seen that lightsaber. Probably not. And like, because yeah. she, she, she gave up her Jedi training when she, before she was a mom. Yeah. And so, I, so he would have never seen it.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where I would have liked it. I like it either way. And so I feel like there's no, right, both ways it, are symbolic in different
1: yes, ways. Yes, because it yeah. comes back to like a reconciliation between him and Luke and their past, and yeah. they do have a history, but I like the idea that, you know, he's just such a mama's boy Yeah, that him with his mom's lightsaber would have been really cute.
0: I probably would have preferred it that way too, because although we wouldn't have gotten the same like symbolism I'm talking about here, but early in the movie, Ray's talking to Leia and it's like, this just this weird screenwriting thing of... She's like, I don't feel like I deserve this lightsaber, which is weird—the the legacy lightsaber. So it doesn't make sense that by the end she just gives it to Ben. It mm. should have—if they're gonna have that at the beginning of the movie, well, they then had she her use it at the end. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird thing, but what can you do? But so Ben, he makes his way to the throne, you know, and they—they learn that they're a a dyad in the Force, um, or Palpatine. Realizes that they're a dyad in the force, but again, their physical orientation is important here. In *The Force Awakens*, they fought each other face to face, you know, in the forest. In *The Last Jedi*, they fought each other back to back in the throne room, and finally, in *The Rise of Skywalker*, they're fighting, but they're side by side. So that
1: equals that push together. and
0: pull has finally met in the middle. So after after Ben's pushed into that abyss and uh, Rey dies from her battle with Palpatine, Ben sacrifices his own life his own life force to bring Ray back. And for me, I think this is the, this is the tragedy that they finally met each other in the middle. They are a diet in the force, which is like a super romantic thing. There's no longer this push it's and like pull the
1: force equivalent of star crossed lovers. Yeah, they are dyad exactly. In the
0: force. And then, but Ben dies and that's the, that's the tragedy. One of them dies. They aren't allowed any sort of longevity, any sort of happiness. Although, Just one final note about Ray and Ben is that, you know, back to Anakin and and Padme. Anakin wanted to do whatever it took to save Padme from death, thinking it required some sort of um, superpower outside of himself that would be granted to him or something that he could... You know, learn, not understanding then that the ultimate use of the force to do such a thing, to save someone, required self-sacrifice. Required giving up one's power rather than seeking it. Which I do think that Anakin learned it later, eventually, when he sacrificed himself to toss Palpy down the shaft. But he didn't know that with Padme, when clearly it's something Ben understood, that the power to save some, someone from dying was internal and required a, a self-sacrifice, which I do think is very beautiful and an ultimate act of love.
1: Right, plays but. into Canaan's death as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. Like He found the moment where he was most useful to the ones that he loved. Um, a self-sacrifice there as well. Anakin's the one who did not self-sacrifice. Exactly. I mean. Till later. Till later.
0: But not with A Padme. delayed yeah.
1: self-sacrifice.
0: <laughs> not when it mattered most.
1: I think... I was thinking about how Ray and Ben's story is like tragedy throughout. Yeah. Missed opportunity after missed opportunity mm. after they're finally share one kiss, one moment, two seconds later he dies. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate tragedy.
1: Is that more, see, and then I was thinking about how, like, that's like tragedy throughout, but we were talking about how the closer two people are, then the gap feels bigger. Yeah. So I feel like Kanan and Hera is that where it's like they were closer and had a better relationship. Yeah. For me, it still feels like, not that they have to be compared, but their story just feels more tragic to me. Yeah. Because they were closer. If Ray and Ben had been together for years had a little kid together and then died I don't know maybe it'd feel even more tragic to me their story just is kind of like Padme and, and Anakin's like it's kind of doomed from the beginning like it never is going to work out
0: well I think that's why all of these are interesting in different ways and tragic in different ways like yes, Han and Leia definitely. Han and Leia is tragic because they just fall apart mm-hmm. but it's a uh, it's a it's a whimpering this, tragedy until right, later this, when Han like dies. there's such like
1: a human yes. falling apart too. Like nothing to do with the force or yeah. anything else. It was just like, oh man, we lost our son and we're so sad and yeah. we didn't we can't work it out, you know?
0: Right, and I mean later Han dies and that's a big tragedy. But like I said, there's that in between tragedy of yeah them just falling apart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anakin and Padme is a, is tragic because it draws to light the the tragedy of the Jedi's dogma. And also because the repercussions are so huge. Hanan uh, and Kara. <laughs> Kanan and Hera is so tragic because, because their relationship was so strong. And that they were so loving. And it wasn't, they weren't falling apart. And
1: Right, theirs feels like they deserved it the least. Not that right. anybody deserves a tragedy. Yeah. But it's like, they really didn't deserve a tragedy.
0: <laughs> and then Ray and Ben is tragic because there was so much of this push and pull that when it finally culminated in some sort of moment of happiness, that's when it ends. And that's the tragedy of that. So I I feel like we picked four very different ones that are tra- tragic in different ways, which I like. I like that.
1: Yes. So on to our...
0: Some of the, some of the other ones. The other ones. I just want to mention briefly.
1: Yep uh Obi-Wan and Duchess Satine. Yeah. You only see them in Clone Wars.
0: That one's so tragic.
1: But Duchess Satine is uh the leader of the Mandalorian people. And you definitely get the like it's heavily hinted and even meant, you know, that they had a they had a past. I don't remember who says what, but it's mentioned that like they could have chosen each other. But instead, like we talked about titles playing a big role. Yeah. It was more important for him to him to stay a jedi and more important to her to be there as a leader for the mandalorian people
0: for sure and also the tragedy there is that obi-wan knew more about what anakin was going through but didn't help as much as he could have or yes he wasn't aware enough of it to help but he probably should have been more aware you know like there's just a tragedy mm-hmm. there of anakin or of obi-wan helping anakin like
1: he's his teacher his leader his master
0: and, and here's a situation where he knows it, Almost exactly, exactly what, what he's, he's going, going
1: through, through yeah. and could have been far more helpful there than he was. Yeah.
0: But then, of course, it's tragic that they don't get to be together again because of the Jedi and also her title. Mm-hmm. But then it also is tragic because Darth Maul kills Sat- Satine in front of Obi Wan, which just is gut wrenching. That part made me so sad.
1: It's so sad. <laughs> Interesting, though, when you think about that, though, Obi Wan grows a lot because, like, in that moment, he wants. He's got rage. He wants revenge to Maul. But Obi Wan is the one who eventually kills Maul in Rebel, but he does it in the most humane and kind way. Like you feel like he's putting this uh, physically wounded animal out of its misery. Yeah, it it
0: feels like Maul has let himself be killed rather than Obi Wan doing it. Yeah.
1: And it's like so clear that, I mean, it doesn't seem like Obi Wan holds any grudge for past actions from maul he has yeah. really dealt with his grief in a healthy way
0: obi-wan could have gone into the desert desert and seethed for 20 years yes. but he didn't he wasn't seething was like, for 20 years Sweet,
1: here's my opportunity to take out this yeah. guy who killed the guy uh, killed the woman i love
0: clearly obi-wan's been actually growing in the desert yes <laughs> uh we have galen and Lyra or so they seem to have a parents. beautiful relationship and and although it seems like there's this I mean I guess you've read Catalyst. Catalyst, so you have more background info here than
1: Their relationship's fun because he is such a such a nerd. He's like so into his work. He wouldn't eat if she like didn't remind him to, but she's a lot of she's a fun, she's like an adventurer and so she really pulls him out of his shell. Uh mentions how they're very opposite in their personalities and but they they work together well. I mean, she is the reason that they left and got out of there. He is just uh, Galen is so wrapped up in learning more about the kyber crystals and the powers that they hold that it wouldn't really occur to him on his own that it matters what the empire was planning on doing with those. If if Lyra hadn't pointed it out to him and been like, "Do you realize like what you're helping to create?" Yeah. Um, and so she really saves him in that way. Yeah. Saves his conscience, his his soul, and they run off together. They try to live as peaceful farmers, but, but war comes calling,
0: and yeah. and Lyra dies, and it's tragic.
1: Krennic hates Lyra because she is the thorn in his side that is it, always yeah. <laughs> pitting Galen against him.
0: <laughs> you know, as we were. As we were, as I was thinking just now about Galen and Lyra and how it's the the politics and the war that didn't allow them to live in happiness. I think that's I think that's the answer. I don't think it's the force that hates romance. I think it's I think the message mm. here is that war destroys things. War destroys love. And because it's Star Wars, there's always going to be wars, wars in these movies, and that's war. what destroys romance. War
1: is the opposite of love, as the song says. Huh, war. What is it good for?
0: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, also, in Rogue One, we have Jin and Cassian. I think the tragedy here is that because the argument could be made that it's not a relationship, and, right? It's but I not. think that's the tragedy of it is that there's hints that there could be. Yes, there's their tragedy
1: hints there. is the possibility of the future that might have been. Yes, and they don't get an yeah. opportunity to even explore it. Yeah. I mean, you're like ninety nine percent sure they're going to kiss right when they blow up, but well
0: and there's some tension in the elevator as they're heading down
1: mm-hmm. and then they're
0: hugging on the beach as the mushroom cloud yes heads to overtake them there's There's hints at more than just a platonic relationship there for sure um, I mean there are plenty the of people
1: of that even if I know I'm about to die, I don't feel the need to hug them
0: mm <laughs> That's the question. Like who you, would you hug and who wouldn't you as a mushroom cloud heads who, your way?
1: I'm just saying, like, it, it's not like a last man on earth kind of thing. Yeah. Because I feel like there are still occasions where you'd be like, nah.
0: <laughs> I'll I'll die. I'll
1: die. <laughs> They were clearly, yeah. theirs is the the what might have been that makes it so tragic.
0: We do get some more of the the enemies to lover kind of idea. Uh, uh, antagon they're antagonistic toward one another through a lot of it. Yes, um, to sort of build that tension
1: about uh, Bale and Brea Organa.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about them.
1: Yeah, so Brea is the queen. Of um, Alder Alderon and uh, Bale is the senator. husband, the husband yeah. and senator, yes. both.
0: <laughs> but Alderon blows up,
1: and they did. They had a happy life. They even, you mm-hmm. know, finally got to adopt an, a, a daughter because Brea couldn't have kids because do you know her story?
0: I've read it some of it, but I don't remember it.
1: You had to like do a challenge to like prove that you were worthy to be queen, and in this challenge, she like almost dies loses like half of her organs are like synthetic oh wow and so that's where like she could not have children and anyway so they finally get their daughter cute little leia running around with buns in the palace you know as i'm sure she did (laughs) and uh they have 19 years with her happy times seems like she seems pretty well adjusted i think she had a happy childhood as far Mm. as we see and everything was going pretty well for them until their whole planet gets blown up. Until the
0: Death Star appears in the in the air above the planet. and
1: Mass tragedy there. And they're done. Finn and Rose.
0: Yeah, there's hints at something there. The real tragedy is that they were like, oh, we're not going to put Rose in this movie. I know. <laughs> or I like, like barely. She's barely there.
1: That's like the tragedy. Cut her out of yeah. the whole third film.
0: That makes me mad.
1: That tragedy is... On the filmmakers.
0: Yep,
1: 100%. Not that they had to have a relationship, but just that they f- felt it was easier to cut her out yeah. than anything else.
0: We have Han and Kira.
1: That's next on my list.
0: I really like Han and Kira a lot.
1: I do too. <laughs> a lot, a lot. I like the idea of them... Being little you know ghetto children together they rise above their humble beginnings they are yeah. devoted to each other he's still trying to find ways to get back to her like when he finally sees her he's like i was just doing this one more job and i was yeah. coming back and she's like well now you don't have to
0: and i'm but, a, i'm a slave for this crime organization but, but she <laughs> has
1: clearly been through a lot yeah. since then
0: well that scene at the beginning um at the spaceport where they're separated, I find that part really tragic.
1: Oh, it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, I thought they did a good job with that scene, but um, and then and
1: now is her betrayal at the end more tragic than the you know, the terminal scene where they mm, had to leave?
0: I don't know. I I want more Kira because I want to know yes. what's what's going on in her head and I feel like we don't really know why and why she decided to leave. Han I would like
1: and, to assume that she's like, well, I'm in too deep.
0: I'm protecting.
1: And I'm protecting Han that's how I, by leaving.
0: That's how I read it as well.
1: But there's also the sense that she's like, look, I can finally be my own boss and I can finally run things the way I want. So it might be a yeah. power thing too. Oh,
0: and, and power to her. I don't think that it ends. I like the way it ends. And it's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a prequel. So we know that they're not going to end up together anyways. But right. I like the way it ends. I just want more Kira because I really like her as a character. I do too. In that, Also in Solo, we have Val and Tobias Beckett. Yes. Does that Val not
1: have a back last name? Not that I know either. But. I don't believe so.
0: She's named after the valacord, which they mention is the instrument that Tobias wants to learn to play. Oh, interesting. That one is also a tragedy that I feel like was unnecessary, like on the filmmakers as well. I think the writers even said they're like, yeah, we probably didn't need to do that. But they kind of just fridge her really early on. You get the sense that they really care for each other and that's the that's another tragedy you know
1: the bonnie and clyde style Mm -hmm. outlaws to outlaws and lovers at the same time kind of story which was fun and interesting and
0: it would have been cool if han learned to shoot first from val Mm. if at the end val had been the one that had to betray tobias or you know shoot tobias interesting and han had learned it from her that would have been cool
1: that would have been definitely interesting
0: so yeah there's even more obscure ones like uh like Poe's parents. Oh, Poe
1: and well Poe and Zori. Yeah. We get some hints that they were a thing. He kinda wants but to be a were thing again. <laughs>
0: separated. Yeah.
1: I mean he just kinda left her. They
0: might be in the future.
1: I got a few more issues to work out if he just like left her behind with the debts.
0: We also have the tragedy that Poe and Finn has never really explored when it could have been, you know.
1: Possibilities.
0: Yeah. I'd be down for that. Um, but I was going to mention Poe's parents, even Bay uh, and Kes Dameron.
1: Except that she was a pilot, right?
0: They were both in the rebellion, and but one of them dies post Endor, like you know, a few years later when Poe's li- mm. little younger um, when Poe's little. But still, they die. You know, one of the parents dies too young. I can't remember which parent it is, but romance is cursed in Star Wars.
1: There's your happy Valentine's Day episode, happy everybody. <laughs>
0: Mm. On a on a happy note, Star Wars is great.
1: It is. We love all the love in Star Wars, even when it makes us sad. Although I did forget one thing about Kanan and Hera. Can I mention it now? Yeah. Because I just can't let them go. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot to mention that they're the mom and dad of their ship. Like we always talk about how Hera's the space mom. Yeah. But when they talk to each other about the rest of the crew, they always call them the kids. It's like they have a crew of teenagers, even though I'm sure Zeb is like their age. But he acts but, like a teenager. But he acts like a teenager. And Sabine and Ezra are younger.
0: And Chopper's a... a, a misbehaving toddler. pet. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible twos perpetually. But I just like
1: the way that that shows a commitment between them too. Like, they're willing yeah. to, like, co-parent these. And they even discuss them, like, when... Kanan's uh, struggling to teach Ezra something, Hera will pitch in ideas, even though she's not the Jedi Master, but she's like, Well, maybe if you approached it this way, it'd work out. Or, or when Hera's butting heads with Sabine, Kanan's like, Well, you could try this. It's like they're just the cutest co parents, my favorite space mom and dad. And that's the end, sort of. It will never be the end, but I just don't get a lot of opportunities to talk about Kanan and Hera because none of people have watched Rebels.
0: This is true. All right, Val, should we close out the episode? let's do it in terms of homework for future episodes you you could go watch spider-man into the spider-verse you you could watch it it's a, it's a good one
1: it's a thing that's coming
0: we have a new merch store on Public. very exciting with our new logo which you may have noticed with, you know, rocket ships and the moon and the stars. And we love it so much. And huge, huge thanks to Vaishan Brandon for making that for us.
1: He did a fantastic job. Got us exactly what we wanted. Yep,
0: the feel we were looking for. And he he hit it on the head. He's amazing. So um, if you want any of that imagery on a shirt or a mug or a sticker, just head to the T Public link in the show notes.
1: And this month, since it is Black History Month... Uh, we are going to donate our proceeds from our tea public. Um, Any merch that you buy, we're going to donate them to the Loveland Foundation, which is counseling for uh, black girls and women. Fantastic organization.
0: Yes, it's amazing. So we'll be going to a good cause this month.
1: You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at elsewhere underscore pod. As we mentioned, our cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can find his graphics on Instagram at graphite.vmb.
0: Hello from elsewhere as a proud member of WBNE. On whatever podcast app you use, look up two of the newest podcasts joining the network. We're so excited. Uh, First, we have Unsobered, where Julia Kendall studies all the most badass women in history. I said, I said the word. (laughs) Am I going to burst into flames?
1: Uh, I think you'll be okay.
0: The other WBNE creators were giving me a hard time. I don't know if you saw that. Oh no! On in in our own our own little WBNE chat that we have, um, they're giving me a hard time because you know I don't really swear, and so they were saying,
1: "I don't either."
0: If or when I do, although I did this episode, you did this episode. <laughs> if or when either of us do, it's like extra f- forceful and powerful because we hold back most of the time so
1: that's what i purposefully do with my life i'm
0: not one to hold on to power but i like i like having that power so
1: i agree it's so much more fun to lay down one really good swear that Mm -hmm. means something yes than to just like i mean cana and Hera made me do it because that's how (laughs) much so beautiful it's so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) but it's so much more fun to do it that way in my opinion
0: (laughs) But yeah, check out Unsobered. It's amazing. And then also the the, uh, the second new podcast is Perspective Z. It's hosted by two Gen Zers as they navigate modern life. Uh, we are so, so excited for these new siblings. Our we have podcast new siblings, siblings to join the network. Um, and here are previews for both of them, back to back.
2: Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, Women of History and Literature. The podcast where I talk about the women that the history books history classes, and the general public often overlook, or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these amazing, strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn about your favorite women, or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things. New episodes released every other Friday.
1: Have you ever wondered what Gen Z was thinking while half the generation
2: was eating Tide Pods? Or what those gosh darn kids are up to these days? Well then you should check out our podcast, Perspective Z, hosted by me, Rachel, and me, Katrina. We discuss pop culture, politics, and everything in between and give you our perspective as two Gen Z ladies trying to figure out our place in the world.
1: Listen along to hear our thoughts and opinions as we gear up for college and beyond. So make sure to
2: check out new episodes of Perspective Z every Monday on the WBNE Network at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now on Spotify. Toodles! Toodles.
0: Well, there's way too much sand on, the, on this island out on the lakes of Naboo. I hate sand.
1: So does Anakin. Why is he there?
0: Because everything here is soft and smooth. <laughs> creepy. It's
1: all very creepy. Well. Goodbye, Naboo. Goodbye. All the love stories of Star Wars. Yep.
0: Yeah, goodbye, Kanan.
1: You make me cry again.
0: <laughs> Happy beeps.
1: <laughs> tearful sad downer beeps
0: yeah your beeps don't have to be happy by the way yeah yeah it's okay if they're not happy beeps that's okay we're not the jedi all feelings are valid exactly valid beeps <laughs> Mike check hello
1: from elsewhere what
0: if i talk like this all the time
1: very radio broadcast
0: From W. V. R. (laughs) A.